I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Uh, sometime last weekend, or sometime last week actually, someone asked me on Facebook who I was picking between uh, Sean Porter and Adrian Broner, Andre Ward versus Paul Smith, and David Lemieux versus Hassan Nadam. And I went with Lemieux by knockout. I went with Ward by TKO. And I went with Broner by unanimous decision. I've never been pleased to be so wrong about uh, that last prediction. <laughs> yeah, Sean Porter won a, uh, a, uh, a very good 12-round decision over Adrian Broner. I don't know what, what was going on with Broner because uh, I was hearing some reports that uh, he might be over the contracted uh, catch weight of 144 pounds. Uh, I was hearing that he wasn't training, stuff like that. You're always hearing rumors. And it, it, the build-up to the fight was very interesting because uh, it w- there was not a lot of trash talking between Porter and Broner, but actually Broner and Porter's dad, Kenny. And uh, Kenny, uh, <laughs> I-, I think Kenny, you know, Adrian Broner, Broner uh, said that when Porter gets paid for his fights, that it's actually his father, Kenny, who gets the check, and then Kenny decides how much uh, Sean actually gets. But Kenny fired back with his own shot, and I think he kind of... He probably scored a verbal TKO because he said that all of Broner's checks go towards uh, child support. But verbal jabs aside... I, I was kind of puzzled watching the fight because it was such a terribly lackluster performance from Adrian Broner. This is a guy who is being touted as the next Floyd Mayweather. You know, everybody or a- anybody who's a fan of Broner would say that he's the future of the sport, and yet it, it was just a piss poor performance. And I, I couldn't understand it. Uh, Porter surprised me. He, he was uh, always. Uh, in Broner's face, early in the first round, he uh, kind of caught him with this big uh, left hand, and, you know, I, I thought as Broner was moving away that uh, Porter would just try to catch up, but no, he was, it was like uh, they were magnetically attached or something, and just, uh, just really overwhelmed Broner, and I think Broner landed only 88 shots in the whole fight. Compare that to Porter. He landed, uh, I believe it was 150 or uh, 149 punches, but still round to the nearest 10. It's 150. So uh, I, I, I just I couldn't understand what was with Adrian Broner. Was was he just uh, is 147 pounds? You know that that weight class. I don't think it's for him. I honestly don't. Uh, he, you know. The, the, the Pauly Malignaggi fight, yeah, he was a bit successful, but, you know, I think if Pauly had more power, that it might the fight might have been a bit different. The Marcos-Maidana fight, we saw clearly that Maidana was much too physical for him. And uh, this catchweight bout with Sean Porter at 144 pounds, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Oddly enough, uh, you know, Broner... Not a, a very notorious in boxing, or not notorious, but more infamous, if you will. Listen to the ovation, or lack thereof, he got when he walked into the ring. His way to the ring, Adrian, the problem, Bro- 
But I gotta say, the, uh, the the best part of the fight was the last round because Broner knows he's behind. And he comes out, meets Porter, and the first punch he throws is this left hook that instantly drops Porter. And on that unofficial scorecard, Steve Fallhood has Porter winning eight of the 11 rounds. But Porter, to his credit, was able to hold on, survive the round, and in, get the decision. So, what's next for both fighters? Well, Broner wasn't short on confidence after this uh, loss, his second loss. Uh, he said that everybody's still going to want to see his next fight. Everybody's still going to have pictures taken with him. And to a degree, I think that he is right. I mean... Sean Porter really the pressure is on him if he can maintain this momentum after he beat Devin Alexander which really was a surprise victory to a lot of boxing observers he had the uh, knockout of Paul Malignaggi and then he lost the title to Kell Brook and his momentum sort of uh, slowed down a bit if he can maintain it after this fight with Broner, he has a chance to become a superstar in boxing. Um, as for Adrian Broner himself, I think he really needs to discipline himself, get down to 140, stop with the whole step and fetch it, playing the clown routine, and just dedicate yourself to boxing. Stop. You can be entertaining outside of the ring. You can be entertaining in, you know, your, your freaking ring walk. But, uh, no, he, he's got to reevaluate his performance and, and say, I've got to make some changes. Otherwise, uh, he's going to be a great what-if special. Because, yes, he has won three titles in three different divisions, but he never really cleaned out any of those divisions he won titles in. He never really solidified himself as the man. About two years ago, I made a prediction that Adrian Broner might be headlining pay-per-views uh, in a few years, but right now, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Moving on, back in 2011, David Lemieux was really on the road to a world title fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but he took a left off that road when he suffered back-to-back -back losses against Marco Antonio Rubio and Joaquin Alcine. However, he he was really able to bounce back this past weekend with a 12-round unanimous decision over Hassan Nadam. Wow. Bombs away on this fight because in, in, you can just tell that with every punch, David Lemieux wants to knock Nadam out. And in the second round, he, he lands this beautiful, he, he dodges a punch, and then he comes back with a with this beautiful left hook that would have probably made Joe Frazier, it just would have brought a, a big smile to Frazier's face. He knocks Ndom down, and you see Hopkins and 
De La Hoya. They were in Montreal for this fight because he's promoted by Golden Boy. And they are just shouting, go after him, go after him. And he did. I was what what surprised the hell out of me was that Endom was able to hold on and and survive the and oh cuz you know that when David Lemieux lands a punch that and and it's a clean punch you know that you're not going to be uh standing up for very long and Endom was actually knocked down four times in the fight but uh it, it didn't do him any good to get back up because he lost a uh, 12 round decision and Lemieux won the IBF middleweight championship. So, uh, très bien. Now, the, the big discussion is, is Lemieux the next uh, opponent for Gennady Golovkin? That would be a great fight. That really would be a great fight. Another, it, w- it won't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but a, a good fight would also be Lemieux versus Andy Lee. I think that would be an all-out firefight. But Lemieux's team have said that they are not going to go after Golovkin right away, that they are actually going to make a mandatory defense, and I can understand that. You know, make a mandatory defense in Montreal or Quebec City, and then you work your way up to uh, a fight with Gennady Golovkin. What? Wow! You have a you have a middleweight champion, or you have a middleweight titleist who actually wants to fight another middleweight middleweight titleist. Miguel Cotto is probably watching this at home and thinking, middleweights fighting middleweights. I wonder if I should ever try something like that. Uh, uh, why not? And let's take a look at Andre Ward's victory over Paul Smith. This fight debu- or this fight appeared, sorry, on uh, BET with uh, Jay Z's Rock Nation Sports, which Ward has signed with. I was not surprised that Ward stopped Paul Smith. What surprised me was that uh, Paul Smith came in at 176 pounds and the fight was uh, supposed to take place at a catchweight of 172 pounds. I really don't know how Smith could have missed weight so much, but I knew that Ward would want to go forward with the fight. A lot of people were wondering, is this uh, is this sort of him testing the waters to see if he could make it as a full-fledged middleweight People are always, you know, saying that he's actually avoiding a fight with Sergey Kovalev. But um, I'm not too sure if I see it that way. Ward was able to, uh, he, he did not have any ring rust on him as far as I could tell. His jab looked perfect. It was immaculate. He didn't look like he had any ring rust or that he had been off for uh, almost uh, two years. I just hope that it's not another two years before we see him in the ring again. Uh, Ward's trainer, Virgil Hunter, has said that he d- does uh, does not see Ward moving up to 175 pounds anytime soon, that he is going to stay at 168 pounds. The question is, what is there for him to do at 168 pounds? I, don't, I honestly don't think a rematch with Carl Froch is going to happen. I, I've done some thinking on it, and it... It just doesn't seem likely. I don't think Froch is going to go for that because he wants to go out. You know, he want, Froch wants to end his career saying that he uh, knocked out uh, George Groves in front of 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium. He, he'll remind you of that every day. I got a phone call from him the other day 
and that, that was all he told me, and then he hung up. It, it was the strangest phone call I've ever gotten, but um, he, he wa- that's how he wants to end his career, saying, you know, that's how it ended. He doesn't want to say, oh, I, and I lost another decision to Andre Ward. Now, Ward has said that he is open to going to the UK and fighting Wembley Stadium, but Faraccia said, no, you're not big enough for Wembley Stadium. You know, you'll fight me in Nottingham in my hometown. and uh, It's just not going to happen. The politics and the egos involved just won't. So that begs the question, who's there for Andre Ward? Could he fight James DeGale? Yeah. You know, that fight could happen, but I don't see uh, DeGale giving Ward any trouble. And also, would a uh, fighter who appears on uh, PBC, on NBC, or whatever, could they do something like that with the BET network? Who knows? But I honestly would like to see, you know, Ward... I, I know that... He said a few times, oh, you know, I need, like, maybe uh, another tune-up fighter or two before I fight Gennady Golovkin. I'd rather see that now instead of having to wait so long. Because, really, I, I don't want to... I'm really tired of the the Willie Monroe-level opponents. That's not a disrespect to Golovkin and what he's doing. He just... He wants to, you know, build his portfolio. He wants to get as many defenses as he can. And, but yeah, I really want to step up in competition for him and for Ward. You know, I, I really want to see who would lose between the two of them. I, I have my mind made up as to who it would be, but, uh, you know, I, I like surprises. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Millerad Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxingforfree page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.